Hello everyone and welcome to That Time When, the comedy history podcast where we tell you about strange things that happen in history. I am your host, once again, Barnaby King, and joining me is my co-host, Amelia Edwards. Hi! Hello! Hello! hello. Yes, Amelia is... Hard at work teaching your children. Yes, your <laughs> children specifically. You, you may not think you have children, but look in the cupboard. Um, so I am taking over uh, again this week. Uh, this time we're going back further than we have been for the past two weeks. Ooh. Uh, not just in that, but also in terms of the podcast itself. Because I'm going to have us reminisce a bit about our first ever episode. Oh. Richard the Lionhearts yes. and Peaches. Exactly. Don't listen to that episode. It's terrible sound quality. <laughs> yes, that's when we had the bad microphones. And I think that was you the only episode you've ever edited. It is. <laughs> I think the editing was fine. We just couldn't hear any. Of yeah, it. no, no, that's fair enough. Maybe we should like do special re-recordings of them. Of the I was thinking ones. about this. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. maybe. We'll chat later. Mm. We'll, I'll get your people to talk to my people. All right. <laughs> but no, this week we are going back to the time of the Crusades. Ooh. And we are including a character from that first episode, Saladin. Saladin! He's going to play a pivotal role in this story, although he's not the main character in it. Okay. Because we are going to talk about a figure... I don't know if we mentioned we might have mentioned him in passing mm. but i don't think we talked much about him this is king baldwin the fourth of jerusalem we didn't talk about him in the richard the lionheart episode right which would have been the episode where we could have talked about him yeah um because i'm not sure that richard the lionheart really interacted with him much he definitely did not yeah so baldwin just happened to be there yeah. with the best name which i think there were like four baldwins or like five baldwins <laughs> there were like a shocking number of baldwins well there okay so there is a baldwin after him Great. king baldwin the fifth okay and there are also several other people called baldwin who didn't manage to become king oh well what's the point if you can't be king of jerusalem why be called baldwin <laughs> It's a Wait, good name. I'm sure we mentioned Bald. No, maybe we mentioned an earlier Baldwin in possibly. Eleanor of Aquitaine t uh, story. Uh, possibly. Because um, I, I remember talking about Baldwin being a stupid name before. <laughs> <laughs> and then we were like, unless it's a surname, you're all right, Alec. <laughs> I quite like the name Baldwin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah? We're not naming our children Baldwin. No, 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 no. So... This is King Baldwin IV, who was born in 1161. He was the child of Amalric and Agnes. Amalric's a good name. It is a good name. It sounds older than it is. Yeah, and he was actually the brother of King Baldwin III of Jerusalem. Right. Now, at this point, Jerusalem had been in existence for only 60 years under Christian rule. Mm. Uh, so, I mean, Jerusalem itself had existed. Yes, but under Christian rule. It, yeah. had, it had been taken from the Muslims, mm. and it was it now, you know, was Jerusalem as we might know it. Quite, all yeah. right. Yeah, obviously it still existed beforehand. Yeah, it's been around for a hot minute, right? There, yes. Jerusalem. <laughs> but the kingdom of Jerusalem... Ah, right, the kingdom of Jerusalem. ...had been in existence for 60 years. Okay. <laughs> and at this point, I think it had gone through about six monarchs. Yeah, um, they they skipped through them. Really. They really did. Largely because I think medieval European people just got sick all the time whenever they went to 
the Holy Lands. Oh yeah, and that's going to happen a lot in this story. Great. <laughs> so, so you need those Muslim doctors because they actually knew what they were doing. Uh, yeah, and they actually crop up in this story as Fantastic. well. Fantastic. <laughs> Stop predicting everything. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's I good. just know a lot about the Crusades. Yeah, okay? that's that's fair. So King Baldwin the Third, he was named as the young Baldwin's godfather. And he joked at the christening that as a christening present, he would like to give the young Baldwin the kingdom of Jerusalem. And then he died? Well, it, I mean, <laughs> this, was, this was a joke. Right. Because uh, Baldwin III was in hale and hearty health. Mm-hmm. He was in his early 30s. Right. He had a young wife. Yeah. Everything going for them. Two years later, he would die of dysentery. Yeah. <laughs> dysentery was a big one. Yeah. The chronicler and figure in this story, William of Tyre, mm-hmm. uh, reckoned that Baldwin III had actually been poisoned. Oh, really? And that was how he died. But we only really have William's account. Okay, and he might have just been trying to make it sound a bit more cool and Game of Thronesy. Quite possibly. Uh, William definitely lent his own voice to the history. Sure. Like, a lot of the stuff we know about uh, Baldwin IV does come from William, as mm. well as a few other sources, but William definitely has people he likes and people he dislikes. Yeah, chroniclers are like that. Yeah. So, because Baldwin III had died quite young and he hadn't been married long, he had no heir. Oh, no. So, the ki- the uh, crown passed to Amalric. Right. So, he was not expecting to be king. No. <laughs> uh, but, unfortunately, the High Court of Jerusalem decide they don't like his wife, Agnes. Okay, what's wrong with Agnes? Jesus. Well, there are a few things that are put forward, and William of Tyre presents Agnes as kind of a scheming manipulator. Okay. Um, but it seems likely that the reason was that Agnes's family had ruled Edessa. Okay. And Edessa had been taken by Muslim forces, and it was they were so heavily entrenched it would be all but impossible to take back. Right. And the High Court worried that Agnes would try to encourage Amalric to basically spend loads of time and resources taking back this city that they didn't really want. Right. Actually, that makes a lot of sense. That's yeah. fair. Yeah. I'm trying to remember whether William of Tyre was the one who really had an issue with Eleanor of Aquitaine. Quite he possibly. He might have been. Quite possibly. I don't think he really liked women very much. Ah, who did in those days? Dorsa. <laughs> Ah, Chaucer, that woke bastard (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) So the High Court decides that Amalric can become king only if his marriage to Agnes is annulled Okay And Amalric agrees, but he bargains that he will get rid of Agnes as long as their children will remain legitimate Yeah, absolutely Yeah So the High Court agree, and Baldwin and his older sister, Sibylla, Mm -hmm. remain legitimate. Sibylla? Yes, Sibylla. Like one of Caligula's sisters... Wasn't when they called? Wasn't one of them called? Sibylla? I actually don't remember. I don't think so. Oh, I swear it's an ancient Roman name. Well, this is as in Sybil, which I think comes from the Greek. Oh yeah, because fair enough. Of fair the Sybil. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, Sibylla though. Sibylla. Baldwin and Sibylla. I know that they belong in a posh school, don't they? <laughs> I mean, I think they belong in medieval history. They do. Like, that, that is some. Those are two classic sort of medieval sounding names. But also Baldwin. Sibylla. (laughs) Baldwin, Sibylla, Tabitha. (laughs) Get back in the Renault, darlings. (laughs) 
So the High Court agrees to this and the marriage is annulled and their official reason for annulling the mar- marriage is based on co-sanguinity. Oh, we love co-sanguinity. Yes, uh, which is basically they're too closely related. Yeah, this has been a big issue. We talked about that with Eleanor of Aquitaine, yeah. which you should listen to because the audio quality is a lot better. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, she was too closely related to her first husband and then married her second husband, who she was even more closely related to. Yeah, well, this is the thing. So they annul the marriage based on this ground because Amalric and Agnes share the same great-great-grandfather. Yeah, there was a bit of distance going on in medieval times, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, this makes them third cousins, yeah. which... I looked up and is the same as the familial separation between our current Queen Elizabeth and her late husband, Prince Philip. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, whoops. Whoopsie. So, Amalric decides that, you know, he's got his heir, so he's going to give Baldwin the best education he can. Right. And he hires William of Tyre. Who is like, don't trust the women, son. (laughs) Well, William of Tyre at this point is already a renowned chronicler, and later he actually goes on to become Archbishop of Tyre. Okay. So he's he's in a pretty good space to teach the young Baldwin, and Baldwin is really quite clever. Okay. So this is all looking fantastic, mm. until a time when Baldwin is nine years old. And William is kind of watching over him and the young boy is playing with other young boys and they're playing a game that apparently was popular at the time, which is pinching each other to make each other squeal. (laughs) Young boys are stupid even then. (laughs) I could see nine-year-old boys doing that Yeah, right, they don't change. It's just just stupidity all around. (laughs) See, the hot weather recently has meant that all the kids have started cutting holes in the top of their water bottle and then squirting each other with water while they're oh, queuing wow. up. Yeah. And they are not nine. <laughs> they are 15. <laughs> yeah, it's not that much different, is it? No. <laughs> well, William noticed that unlike all the other boys, when Baldwin was pinched, he didn't really cry out. He showed no pain at all. Oh. And at first he's like, this is great. Like Baldwin he's is, so brave. He's so brave and tough and everything like that. This is fantastic. But then later on, he's chatting to the young Baldwin and finds out that basically Baldwin's right arm is quite numb. Oh, oh no. So of course he gets a bit worried about this and he calls in the people that you should call in at this time, the Arabic doctors. Oh good, yes. Because obviously they were way better Mm. than European doctors. Also, Good good teacher here, William of Tyre, mm. actually. The fact that he observed that there was something wrong with the boy. He talked to the boy about yeah. it. He found out the boy was ill. That's yeah. not very good. Yeah, aside, very from, modern. aside from his raving misogyny, William of Tyre is pretty good. Yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> all the women with all their luggage. <laughs> what? That was a whole thing in the oh, Eleanor yes. of Aquitaine yeah. story. Like, the women had too much luggage, and yeah. that's why the crusade failed. Yeah. So these Arabic doctors look over Baldwin and they're not entirely sure what's wrong with him. Okay. Because he doesn't really display outward symptoms, but based on what they've observed, they think he's in the early stages of leprosy. Oh, no. Yes. Which, 
I mean, even today, like that word has particular connotations. Yeah. And at this point in history, there were there were so many problems with lepers. Basically. Yeah, absolutely. Like, We've talked about leprosy being a problem before. Yeah. We talked about this in the French potato episode. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, remember? Because they didn't want to eat potatoes because they thought oh, it would give them yes. leprosy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So no one really knows how uh baldwin contracted leprosy because generally speaking you need to spend a lot of time in contact with someone else who has leprosy and even then it's a very low chance right um but it seems like to this day we have no idea how he contracted it okay but fortunately for baldwin as i said he wasn't displaying any outward symptoms and this Mm. was important because if he had this would make him completely illegitimate for the throne. Yeah, because it was such a stigma. It was such a stigma that lepers were not allowed to marry and definitely if they did have any children, they would not be considered legitimate. Yeah. In fact, if he had been like confirmed and diagnosed with leprosy at this point, the best that he would hope he could hope for is that he would be drummed into an order of knights called the Order of St. Lazarus. Really? Yeah. Now, these were knights and sergeants who had been diagnosed with leprosy and their sole job was to basically fight in the crusades until they couldn't anymore oh that's really tragic i know i know and that was that would have been his lot in life yeah but fortunately for him the doctors decided they didn't want to diagnose him because they weren't completely sure Mm. and obviously with this stigma if you misdiagnose someone and especially if you misdiagnose someone royal that would be pretty bad for you. Yeah, absolutely. So despite his ailments, Baldwin continued to excel. As I said, he was very intelligent. He was very knowledgeable about history. And he was also very skilled in horse riding. Okay. And this was particularly important for Frankish kings. It was one of the main traditions that Frankish kings would ride out with their armies mm. uh, in the forefront. Uh, He was also said to have an excellent memory and that he never forgot those who had helped him nor those who had slighted him. I love that. That's great. (laughs) That feels like something a character on The Office would say about themselves. (laughs) A little bit, yeah. So Amalric had obviously heard about Baldwin possibly having leprosy. Yeah. And Amalric had only had daughters from his second marriage. Um, so Baldwin was the only male child. Right. So he's going to definitely want to hide that potential leprosy, right? Well, not quite. He decides something else. So as I said, he only had daughters. Uh, He had Sibylla Mm -hmm. and he had Isabella. His other daughters, unfortunately, died very young. Mm. Uh, But the thing is, at this point in time, women were explicitly allowed to rule in Jerusalem. Oh, really? Yeah. How come? I have no idea. Okay. But apparently it was just a thing that was allowed. I don't know if it was encouraged, Mm. but I don't think there was anything prohibiting it. Okay. So it sounds like it's a bit like Aquitaine where it's just got like whatever rules. Yeah. So what he decides to do is he's going to, as quickly as possible, try and marry off Sibylla. Okay. Because then the line will still continue through Mm. her. But, you know, the line, like, it can continue. Yes, it, doesn't, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't have to go through Baldwin. How old is Sibylla at this point? She is a teenager. I don't know exactly how old. Right, okay. Um, but she's probably sort of getting about the age of majority, which at this point is about 15. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
and of course Isabella was less than two years old so yeah, she's out of she's, the running. no we're not gonna we're not gonna <laughs> marry her off just yet yeah unfortunately in 1174 Amalric dies of dysentery oh no guys yep. you gotta purify the water yeah and unfortunately he leaves no heir because the only marriage that was a, that was initially arranged for Sibylla had fallen through oh no so really Baldwin was the only true successor yeah now as I said his leprosy wasn't confirmed mm. but it was generally known that you know he's probably got leprosy right so as don't a result sit next to him at banquets yeah so as a result amalric's distant cousins arrived to claim the throne okay and there are three figures in particular prince Bermod the third of antioch mm-hmm. baldwin of antioch yeah <laughs> and count raymond the third of tripoli okay but raymond all- is a very medieval name weirdly yeah all of them, however, were considered unsuitable. Beaumont would basically be going back to Antioch for a long time, so he wouldn't be there to rule. Right. Uh, Baldwin was in the service of the Byzantine emperor. Oh, no. So he wouldn't be around to rule. No, absolutely not. And Raymond was completely unknown to the nobles there and basically had no way of asserting authority over them. Right. They don't know him from Adam. some guy. Yeah, basically. So after three days of deliberating, the High Court decide, we're just going to give Baldwin the throne. Okay. It'll be fine. We'll sort something out. (laughs) Uh, So Baldwin was crowned on the 15th of July, 1174. And this is actually interesting because that was a Monday. Okay. And traditionally, rulers were crowned on a Sunday. Yeah. But the reason for this is that that Monday happened to be the 75th anniversary of the Kingdom of Jerusalem. (laughs) That's mad. Imagine being like, our country's been around for 75 years and we're already on our fourth Baldwin. (laughs) Fourth Baldwin and like eighth king. Yeah. Yeah, but I think, in a way, this I, I think this says something to frugality. I think they were just trying to combine two parties in one. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I kind of like the idea of crowning your new king because it's the 75th anniversary of your country. Yeah. That's cute. But of course, at this point, Baldwin is only 13. Oh, so yeah. he is not old enough to be a proper king. So mm. they need to name a regent. Uh, so the Seneschal Miles of Plancy... Ooh is named regent okay and shortly thereafter,wards gotten rid of oh really because raymond the third has come back yes and he basically <laughs> says i am the old king's closest relative i should be regent okay and he's got a decent amount of people with him so the high court sort of go yeah all right fine it's okay. only for two years anyway how badly can he mess it up well, one of the first things that happens, and we don't know if Raymond was responsible, but Miles was murdered. I think Raymond was probably responsible. I think Raymond was probably responsible, yeah, yeah. But one of the other things that happened, on a good note, was that uh, Baldwin's biological mother, Agnes, actually returned to court. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Now, William of Tyre, in his account, says that she basically schemed to get back in the the good graces of her son and make sure that he was beholden to her. But it seems like that the relationship between Baldwin and his biological mother kind of started off more like an aunt and a nephew, and then they got a bit closer, and it's just like, just kind of familial attachment. I mean, maybe it's just the thing where your mum got banished from the court. Yeah. 
So you would like her back? Yeah. Because there's no reason for her to be away anymore? Exactly. Like, and he he never knew his mother before this. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it makes perfect sense. Mm. Unfortunately, during this regency, uh, Baldwin the Fourth began showing outward signs of his leprosy. Oh, no. He developed lesions on his arms, his legs, and his face mm-hmm. to the point where his subjects were apparently very wary to approach him. Yeah. Or possibly not. Oh. Because there's a bit of a mix of, of ideas going on at this time about leprosy. And I believe the Pope at this point had actually said that leprosy is a judgment from God. Wow, okay. So if you have leprosy, you're done f***ed up. Yeah. But there were others who believed that leprosy was more of a test from God. Okay. So that only the most pious and pure would receive leprosy yeah. because they need to be tested. A bit like Job in the Bible. Yeah, I get that. I mean, that like that makes a lot of sense, especially when you look at a lot of the way medieval people looked at everything as yeah. being kind of like, either God is punishing our, us or God's testing us. Yeah. And I think testing is the nicer way to look at it. I mean, absolutely. So it meant that he did receive uh, quite a lot of care and sympathy mm. and kind of already there was a bit of a mystique around him and also if he got this when he was nine years old how badly is he supposed to have messed up i know like that i mean i'm sure a lot of people might have thought along those lines as well quite possibly you're thinking of lepers being like older people usually Mm. who've had time to commit some kind of massive sin but all he's done like the worst thing he's ever done is pinched another child into his (laughs) wheels I mean, I guess it could be the idea that, you know, he's not right to be king. This might be a judgment from God in that sense. That's true. But as we all know, if you're not right to be king, someone will kidnap you and gouge out your eyes. Exactly. So since he's now definitely got leprosy, Baldwin absolutely cannot marry. Yeah. So it becomes really important to get Sibylla married off. Yeah. So she is married to a man called William of Montferrat. Okay. Who's also known as William Longsword. I don't know why. I I, I, I see what you're thinking. Good for her. (laughs) I don't know if that's why. I suspect (laughs) not. not. No. No, we're going to pretend it is because it's funnier. Yeah. But William Longsword was a good match because he was cousin to both the Holy Roman Emperor and the King of France. Oh, my God. Which is important, especially if you're in Jerusalem, who is constantly underfunded, Mm. undermanned, Mm. and always in need of, you know, getting supplies from Europe. Yeah, you definitely want to be like, okay, so we've got Germany, we've got Italy, we've got France. Mm, Exactly. We've got probably Switzerland, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Got Northern Italy. So during this time, though, there's some discontent growing up around the provinces around Jerusalem. Okay. Because of the rise of a young Muslim ruler called Saladin. Saladin, who is the coolest person. I mean, he is. He's so interesting. And we should probably do an episode on him at some point. I just haven't wanted to approach him because, you know... It's a big topic. It's a big topic. Yeah, that'll be a two-part of a definite. But yeah, no, like, absolutely incredible person. We'll have to to talk about him at some point. It's actually, it's really interesting. So the the 
to look ahead, Baldwin and Saladin will cl- uh, clash a lot during mm. Baldwin's lifetime. Understandable, because there's nothing Saladin wants to do more than take over Jerusalem. Well, it's one of these interesting things where it seems like they're so well matched for each other. Like, had Baldwin not got leprosy, mm. I think we would have seen a very different history play out. Okay. But anyway, that's looking ahead. Mm. So for now, Saladin has begun sort of uniting the various Muslim countries, basically by conquering them. Yeah. Uh, and he's, you know, becoming much more of a threat. Yeah. So Raymond decides that, you know, he's, he's going to kind of appease Saladin. He's going he's gonna to stop any sort of incursions on the Christian territory mm-hmm. by signing a peace treaty with him. Okay. This is seen as a very bad move. <laughs> right. Because what it does is it allows Saladin time to conquer the various Muslim countries oh. and build up a much bigger force against Jerusalem. I mean, that makes sense. But I have some sympathy for Raymond here yeah. on account of just how difficult it must have been to organise anything in yeah. like Outremer. Outre- yeah. Um, just like... The fact that you constantly don't really have enough people, I'm not sure they would have had armies, really. Well, yeah, you'll see this coming into play later. Yeah. What are you supposed to do? I don't know. Well, in 1176, Baldwin turned 15 and therefore the age of majority. So he could be the proper king. Yay. Raymond immediately loses his title of regent Mm -hmm. and Baldwin undoes some of Raymond's decisions. Oh. Basically... Throughout most of his life, Baldwin does not trust Raymond. Okay. And I think with good reason. I think that Baldwin was definitely a better king than uh, Raymond was a regent. Mm. And also, Raymond seems to be constantly plotting to try and gain more power for himself. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't trust somebody who tried to become king, went away, came back to be regent and murdered someone. Yeah, exactly. Or probably murdered. Allegedly murdered Almost somebody. definitely murdered someone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I wouldn't trust him. <laughs> so one of the things that Baldwin uh, undoes is he does not renew the peace treaty with Saladin. Oh, okay. And putting together his new council, they decide to use Saladin's own ambition against him. And while Saladin is away trying to conquer these Muslim countries... Baldwin attacks. Right. And he leads troops in battle personally, despite his leprosy. Wow. Uh, This was a custom of the Frankish kings, as I Mm. said, but it was kind of imagined that, you know, Baldwin probably wouldn't because of his his illness. Yeah, also he is 15 years old. He is 15 years old. He has leprosy, but he Mm. leads people in battle and apparently was really good. Wow. I mean, weirdly enough, there were a reasonable number of like 15, 16 year old commanders who did a really good job during medieval times yeah did Um, they have leprosy they did not they probably had dysentery though well yes that's true (laughs) so because of his bravery and his immediate success baldwin's quickly seen as a strong king everyone who was kind of a bit worried about having a leper king are kind Mm. of like okay he's gonna be fine for now yeah uh, according to one source, Baldwin did actually offer his brother-in-law, William Longsword, the throne. Oh. As Baldwin knew his time on it would be limited. Yeah. But apparently William Longsword refused because the nobility already admired and respected Baldwin for his campaign against Saladin. Oh, that's really cool. 
So if William took the throne, he would probably be hated. Yeah. Because he would be seen as taking it away from the popular king. Mm. And also because it seemed like William's relationship with the Holy Roman Emperor had got a bit cold. Oh, no. So he wouldn't really be bringing anything new and just getting rid of someone people liked. Unfortunately, William Longsword wouldn't have any other opportunity to become king because in in April 1177, he becomes ill with malaria. Oh, malaria. Oh, that's shaking it up a bit. I know. Richard the Lionheart suffered from malaria, as we well know. Indeed. But William Longsword received no peaches. Oh, that's really sad. And he unfortunately... Saladin was not kind to him. (laughs) I don't think Saladin knew. Uh, So William Longsword unfortunately dies, leaving behind... Only the pregnant Sibylla. Oh no. And this is a problem. Yes. Because if she if she wasn't pregnant, had no children, this would be fine. You could just marry her off to someone else. Mm-hmm. But since she's pregnant, if she gets married to someone else, that man will have to accept that his biological children will not be king. Yeah. And we know what that tends to mean in those sorts of situations. Mm. Full-on Lion King moment. Yep, full-on Lion King. So this is made even more difficult by the fact that when William was ill, Baldwin decided that he would visit him. Okay. And Baldwin catches malaria. Oh, no. Yeah. Okay. So while he is severely ill and feverish, he names Reynald of Châtillon as his regent. Okay. Reynald was the stepfather to the Byzantine emperor. Right. And had first got involved uh, with Baldwin because Baldwin had wanted Byzantine support. So he made a few political marriages and got Reynal into his court, basically. Uh, This angered Raymond III, who felt that, you know, he should have been regent again. But Baldwin did not trust Raymond as far as he could throw him. Yeah. So this is an... Even worse, it's a bad time to get malaria because their forces were just about to mount a major military offensive. You can have a major military offensive with malaria. No problem. I think when you've got leprosy and (laughs) malaria, you're feverish, barely able to move. I don't think it's a good look. I mean, fair. Why don't you just, you know, get people to take you out? You can fire some pot shots at people, it'd be fine. <laughs> That's not the Baldwin the fourth way. Okay, fair. But fortunately, uh, they receive aid from Western forces in Ooh. the form of Count Philip I of Flanders, Baldwin's cousin. Nice. And not Flanders, only- eh? Yes. Oh, rare. And not only that, but Philip has also brought financial aid from Baldwin the fourth's other cousin, Henry II of England. Oh my God, this guy's related to everybody. Yep, that's right. Baldwin is of the house of Angevin. Amazing. Those delicious Angevin biscuits. (laughs) Covered in gold. (laughs) You can't even taste the chocolate. (laughs) So this means that they're able to sort of keep things ticking over for a little while until Baldwin's back on his feet. Mm. Um... Apparently, while he was there, Baldwin offered Philip the regency and possibly even the throne, but Philip refuses it. Yeah. He says he's there as a pilgrim, but what he was actually there to do was to try and arrange a marriage between one of his family and Baldwin's sisters. (laughs) 
<laughs> there aren't enough familial connections. Exactly. Unfortunately, this is this doesn't go well for Philip because Isabella is still too young. Yeah. And Sibylla was in the customary mourning period for her husband. Okay. So basically when your husband dies, you take out a year. Yeah. And it's considered very improper to marry during that time. I mean, that seems fair. It does, yeah. So Philip just had a really bad case of timing because mm. he turned up and is like, hey, that's Sibylla. Maybe she could marry this dude. And they're like, no. No. No, wait another six months. And Philip decides, I can't be bothered to wait another six months and leaves in a half. I feel like that's also useful for Sibylla because it effectively gives her maternity leave. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Miraculously, Baldwin completely recovers. That's amazing. Yeah. By October 1177, he uh, engaged in one of his most famous military victories. Saladin had taken advantage of the advances of the Christian forces to attack weaker areas of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And Baldwin, despite having only a small army and kind of still recovering from the malaria, rode to the city of Ascalon with Reyna in order to meet Saladin. They also sent messages to the Knights Templar who were in Gaza telling them to basically leave their post and come help them out. Yeah. They arrive and see the size of Saladin's forces who effectively outnumber Baldwin's 10 to 1. Oh my God. Yeah. So Baldwin ordered his troops to go into the city. Mm-hmm. And Saladin basically decides, you know, I'm going to get everyone together because this looks like it's going to be a long siege. Yeah. It is not a long siege, though, because Baldwin takes Saladin completely by surprise by almost immediately reopening the gates and riding out with his forces to attack Saladin. Okay, that sounds really cool, but maybe foolhardy? Well, the thing was that what this meant was that Saladin's forces were not arranged. They were in complete disarray. Oh, that's very clever. Yeah, so they were taken completely by surprise and couldn't get themselves together by the time that Baldwin arrived. Right. And in fact, this was such a thorough victory on the part of Baldwin. Saladin actually nearly died at this point. Oh my God. He only managed to survive because he is... He escaped on a racing camel. Amazing. Which was much quicker than the horses. Yeah. And also his bodyguards basically sacrificed themselves to give him time to escape. So this was a point where Baldwin nearly managed to kill Saladin. Okay, why haven't we seen any crusading films with Saladin escaping on a racing camel? (laughs) That's so cool. I know. There is a film I'm going to reference right at the end when I talk about Baldwin's legacy. But I, I haven't seen it, so I can't say if the racing camel is in there. Oh, I hope it is. <laughs> so to further cement his position, Baldwin begins to build castles on the Damascene border, which is okay. actually counter to agreements with Saladin. Oh. Because this would put Jerusalem in a much stronger position. Mm. So Saladin decides, you know, hey, Baldwin, if you don't build these castles, I'll pay you loads of money. Okay. And Baldwin's like, (laughs) get f***ed, mate. Okay. (laughs) And just decides to build the castles anyway. (laughs) Now, while obviously Baldwin seems to be having lots of these victories, it is important to note that 
he and Saladin were quite well matched. Mm. He didn't have it all his own way. Uh, Saladin's forces attacked on a skirmish when Baldwin had only a few people around and did nearly kill him at this point. Okay, wow. And in a following conflict, Baldwin was actually unhorsed. And this was during a battle where Baldwin's forces were pretty comprehensively defeated. Mm. Baldwin managed to survive because a fellow knight basically picked him up and put him on his horse because Baldwin's illness meant that he couldn't mount his horse on his own. Yeah. So he couldn't remount when he was knocked off it. It's really impressive thinking about it that he's like taking part in these battles. I know. Just like the fact that he is so young and with leprosy and sometimes malaria it's just like that's ridiculous and it's not it's not just that he took part but that he was so good at it yeah like it would be impressive for anyone let alone someone with leprosy yeah in 1178, Sibylla's period of official mourning came to an end. Yay. So obviously it's time to get her married off. Yes. Because she is going to be the succession of the kingdom. <laughs> yeah. Um, it takes some time though, because they really need to find the most advantageous match. Mm. And it gets to the point by 1180 that Beaumont and Raymond have come back. Oh no, go away. <laughs> and they're bringing some forces with them. It seems, uh, William of Tyre seems to think that Baldwin believed that Beaumont and Raymond were coming to basically unseat him. Right. And forcibly marry Sibylla to their ally, another Baldwin. Great, yes. Called Baldwin of Ibelin. Uh, (laughs) Ibelin being a family who were very important in Jerusalem at the time. Okay, great. But also Baldwin of Ibelin sounds like, you know, such a tongue twister. It does a bit, doesn't it? So with very few options left, Baldwin decides that he's got to marry Sibylla off immediately. Right. And he does. He finds uh, Guy of Lusignan. I've heard of Guy of Lusignan, I'm sure. You probably have done because he will later be King Guy of Lusignan. Amazing. Uh, Guy, at this point, he was the younger brother of the newly appointed constable of Jerusalem. He's not really known. Okay. He doesn't have any connections. Mm. He's kind of a safe choice if you want kind of everything to just stay the same. Right, okay. But obviously this annoys many of the nobles Mm. because he is an unknown. Yeah. And he's going to get a load of power. So this begins to create some discord. But fortunately, at least Beaumont and Raymond have to basically turn tail and run Mm. because... There's no there's no point anymore. They can't force Sibylla to marry them. She's already married. Yeah. Yeah. There is, of course, still Isabella, but Baldwin gets her married off and basically sent as far away as possible so that That's she's That's a safe. really good plan. Yeah. <laughs> How old is Isabella at this point? Uh, I'm not entirely sure. She might be an early teenager at the okay. most. Um, I, I can't say for certain. No, I mean, it's fair. Like, Catherine of Aragon got sent off to her future family when she was five years old. Yeah. And then they just looked after her and raised her until she was an appropriate age to get married. Yeah. So maybe that's what's going on here. Yeah. Uh, the decision to marry Guy to Sibylla, as I said, was unpopular and caused division between the various factions in the courts, uh, including those who supported Beaumont and Raymond and Baldwin of Ibelin, mm-hmm. and the others who supported 
Baldwin the Fourth, which was kind of a faction made up of his mother, Reynald, Guy's brother, as I said, the new constable. Mm. So there's a lot of strife going on. And in order to take the time to deal with it, Baldwin decides to broker a two-year peace treaty with Saladin. Okay. And Saladin accepted since he wanted to take time to focus on his own forces in Syria, trying to conquer the various Muslim countries (laughs) at the time anyway. God, he was taking on a lot. He was, he really was. Like Saladin, fantastic administrator. (laughs) Yeah, my gosh. (laughs) He's good at multitasking. (laughs) The truce was set to expire in 1182, but was actually broken early in mid-1181 by Reynald of Châtillon (gasps) because he attacked a merchant caravan belonging to Saladin. Oh no. Baldwin told him that he had to pay reparations to Saladin. Yeah. But Reynold refused. Uh, so, well, uh, you know, he shares a name with medieval foxes, so what did we expect? <laughs> yeah, quite so. So, of course, this leads to escalation and inevitably to war. But the thing is that Baldwin can't really punish Reynald because Reynald was really valuable. Okay. He was really good at his job. Uh, in fact, what, on one occasion, he managed to really disrupt Saladin's fleets in the Red Sea, who were like very important merchant lines, mm. by disassembling ships and carrying them over the desert to reassemble them on the coastline. That's so, so cool. Yeah, so that they could have strike suddenly without without Saladin's people forcing. knowing. Yeah, that's exactly. incredible. I know. Also, it that's amazing? ridiculous. It's insane, <laughs> but it was really effective. And yeah. this small force took out loads of merchant ships. It actually really worried Saladin to the point where he sent lots of forces after Reynald and his crew because mm. they're basically like, we cannot have them like getting back information about our trading routes. Yeah. So... In response to Reynald's various attacks, Saladin decides to launch a full invasion of Baldwin's kingdom. But in most cases, Baldwin countered Saladin's attempts. Okay. There was a famous battle called the Battle of Belvoir Castle, and Baldwin's forces were heavily outnumbered mm-hmm. again, but they still managed to defeat Saladin's forces despite the fact that they suffered heavy losses themselves because there was an intense heat wave. Oh no. And loads of people died of heat exhaustion. Oh my god. Despite that, Baldwin managed to win and beat Saladin back. That's mad. I know, right? Saladin then attempts to divide Baldwin's forces. He basically appears on a couple of different fronts to try and split up the smaller forces of Jerusalem. But Baldwin decides he's not going to take debate. And rather than dividing his forces, he just masses them all and attacks one target. Okay. Which really works. <laughs> uh, and again, manages to force Saladin back, who decides, you know what? This isn't worth it. I'm going to go fight the Muslims again. Okay. <laughs> I like that Saladin has options. It's oh, like yeah. one of those um, choose your own adventure games, you know, when you try something and you're like, oh, this doesn't really work. I'm just going to go down a different storyline for a bit. Yeah, pretty much. By 1183, however, Baldwin's leprosy had progressed to the point where he could barely walk unaided. He had little use of his hands. And because of the nerve damage caused by leprosy, he didn't really have the ability to blink. God. So his corneas became damaged and he was practically blind. Oh. I know. That it's... like his life is so like upsetting. Yeah. Just because he does seem to have been this brilliant young man. Oh yeah. Who did an incredible job for just a teenager and then he's 
got all of the suffering to yeah. go through. I feel sorry for him. I know, me too. So, of course, he decides the thing to do is to give permanent regency to Guy until Sibylla's son, Baldwin, from her previous marriage, mm-hmm. comes of age. So Baldwin retires to the coast and makes a miraculous recovery. What? Yes, I'm not kidding. Okay. I don't know how. I don't think, obviously, he's back to, like, 100%. Yeah. But it seems that the sea air did him wonders. Oh, my goodness. He's such a Victorian, secretly. I know, right? So when he's feeling better, he he decides to inquire about how Guy is getting along. Yeah, fair. And he hears about Guy's progress with Saladin. And he is disappointed. Right. And this isn't because Guy has been particularly bad, but he just hasn't really managed to do anything. Mm. And I think Baldwin wanted Guy to be more like, well, him, basically. It's like, it's easy. I can do it with two diseases. (laughs) Yeah. Guy had completely failed to win the respect of the nobles and had failed in making any significant advances against Saladin. There was one particular occasion that had seen Guy successfully defend a pass against Saladin over a course of a nine-day battle, Mm. which was pretty impressive, but Baldwin didn't think so because when he was told about it, he saw Saladin as having made some really sloppy moves and left himself open to a massive counterattack. And Which Guy, Guy didn't take. He hadn't seen it and uh, he hadn't taken it. So he's kind of like, Guy, come on. You've <laughs> got to do better than that. Yeah. But nevertheless, finding that the coastal climate suited him, Baldwin decides, you know, I'm going to give Guy another chance mm-hmm. and offers to basically exchange cities. So he's going to give Guy Jerusalem in yeah. exchange for the city of Tyre. Okay. Tyre, however, was a much more profitable city than Jerusalem. Right. So Guy refuses. Yeah, understandable. But Baldwin, who hadn't really offered this because he wanted to make money, is really insulted. (laughs) Oh. Which just leads to, you know, some real breakdown in their relationship. Yeah. Especially because Saladin then goes on to besiege the city of Kerak, where Sibylla and Guy were. Okay. And Baldwin kind of takes this as a bit of a last straw because he realises he can't leave the heirs heirs to the throne vulnerable when Guy is not a capable military leader. Yeah. So what he does is revokes Guy's regency and basically disinherits him. Oh, no. So he's no longer valuable. Yeah. But Baldwin is an honourable man and he does not leave Guy. He musters up an army... And he goes to confront Saladin. Right. Now, at this point, Baldwin is pretty weak. He had to be brought in a litter slung between two horses in order to get to uh, Kerak. Yeah. But despite this, his presence gave renewed hope. And when Saladin heard that Baldwin and his army were approaching, he abandons the siege of Kerak. Oh, my God. Yeah. But Saladin doesn't just abandon sieges. I know. I know. But this leads to, once again, the problem of the succession. Yeah, because we've just gone, Guy, you're not it. Yeah. So in order to kind of completely get Guy out of the picture, Baldwin decides that he's going to have Guy's marriage to Sibylla annulled. And he's going to have it annulled based on the fact that he's going. Baldwin's going to claim that he forced Sibylla to marry Guy. Okay. <laughs> So now I'm going to force the annulment. Yes. 
But the thing is, Sibylla either is happy in her marriage mm. or is under the control of Guy because she doesn't agree to this. Okay. So when they're due to appear in court so that this annulment can take place, the couple don't turn up. Did they post enough notices? <laughs> I mean, I'd assume so. It seems like everyone's pretty on like pretty chatty basis with each other. Fair. They continue to try to get Guy to attend court, but he keeps saying, oh, I'm too ill. I can't mm. come along. He's like, you're too ill? Do you have malaria and leprosy? Yeah. Then there's still no excuse. <laughs> so Baldwin, obviously pissed off at this, decides if Guy's not going to come to me, I'm going to go to Guy. Right. So they go to the city. Uh, he goes to the city of Ascalon in the company of the high court. Right. And Guy refuses to let them into the city. Oh my god. Yeah. Come on, Guy. Yeah. So Baldwin goes to the nearby city of Jaffa. Mm -hmm. And he installs a governor, which basically halves the size of Guy's fief. Oh. Yeah. Should we explain what a thief is? Quite possibly. Basically, it's it's the area of land you control mm. that's like kind of under your influence. And can take money from. Exactly. Yeah. The High Court kind of sees this as a bit of a mistake mm. because they really want Baldwin and Guy to just make amends because this could lead to a civil war. Yeah. Baldwin, however, is not having it. And apparently the court basically just, just stormed out because they couldn't get him to change his mind. Okay. Wow. Guy continues to be a massive screw-up. Oh, no. And he ends up massacring the Bedouin of Darum. Now, these were under royal protection. Yeah. Because they provided information about the movements of Saladin and his Egyptian forces. Do you mean the Bedouin as in, like, Bedouin tribes people? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I could imagine they must be quite important. Yeah, absolutely. So, at this point, Baldwin is pretty desperate and he himself is becoming really unwell mm. so he decides he needs to appoint a regent once more okay and someone who is not guy right. he needs to make sure that guy stays away from power as much as possible yeah so at this point he only has one option he turns to raymond the third no! of tripoli not raymond yeah oh god oh my god now at this point baldwin was kind of expecting that you know he'll get through this illness he's got through these bad illnesses before mm -hmm. it'll be okay yeah unfortunately this would be the last of baldwin's illnesses and in 1184 he died having named raymond his regent and baldwin the fifth as his successor he was buried in the Church of the Holy Sepulchre next to his father, King Amalric. Mm -hmm. Just to sort of give you a bit of an idea of what happened afterwards, the young Baldwin V would then die the next year. Oh, no. And Sibylla, who succeeded her son, made Guy king. Yeah. And almost immediately, the kingdom fell apart because Saladin just completely walked over Guy. Yeah. 
So really, Baldwin's fears were justified. Mm. Well, as we know, by the time Richard the Lionheart got there, Jerusalem was in Muslim hands. Yeah, absolutely. And this was partly Guy's fault. But really, it just kind of goes to show that if Baldwin had not had leprosy, we would have seen a very different history. Yeah. Like, at this point, Baldwin died at the age of 23. Whoa. And the amount that he had achieved is... Yeah, staggering in eight years yeah absolutely it's completely insane and i in a way i guess i kind of see a lot of links between baldwin the fourth and germanicus who we've talked about before what the kind of perfect ruler they're kind of yeah perfect ruler and died young mm. obviously in the case of germanicus he was never really ruler yeah and that was his advantage but and Baldwin was ruler for about eight years mm. but still managed to achieve a lot during that time but that they kind of do they both exemplify that sort of really great ruler and he was kind of seen like this in his lifetime he was seen as being really pious because of his chastity mm. although <laughs> it's, it's not really his choice I mean this is the thing apparently contemporary uh, scholars said that he wasn't really a pious person okay but being seen as pious was yeah. really handy that's especially good if you're trying to keep hold of Jerusalem yeah. the holy city exactly it seems really that what he wanted what Baldwin wanted to exemplify is the qualities of a knight like right. he valued his courage and mm-hmm. his honour and it seems like he maintained that through his admittedly short life now his legacy does we, he does appear in various things there's a film uh, which I believe was released in 2005 called Kingdom of Heaven I watched Kingdom of Heaven did you yeah he's played by Edward Norton in that and wears a very spectacular face mask yeah I remember they made it quite creepy yeah now a few places reference him wearing a mask mm. but we don't really have contemporary sources uh, saying that he would have worn one. It's suggested that it's likely he would because mm. of the face lesions that would have happened as yeah. a result of the leprosy. We don't know for certain. We have no like recovered masks of King Baldwin. I don't think there's much that really sort of shows him in artistic interpretations. I'm not sure like I'm not sure that King Baldwin would have worn such a spectacular mask as the one that I remember I him wearing. Not. Just because that kind of draws attention to the fact that you've got leprosy rather yeah. than hiding it, surely. Well I think to be fair, there's no way around that. Well no true. But you know what I mean? It's kind of it's I, a bit gaudy as mean. well. It's it doesn't help you with the whole this is a pious yeah. person who is struggling against leprosy. It's a yeah. trial, that kind of viewpoint. Yeah. Yeah. And one other sort of legacy of his is one, a personal one for me. Oh, yes. One of my favorite video games called Darkest Dungeon allows you to recruit a character who is known as the Leper. Okay. And he is a holy warrior. He is a king who left his kingdom behind because of his leprosy. Okay. And canonically is named Baldwin. Amazing. <laughs> Thank you for listening to That Time When. You can follow us on That Time When 4 and suggest episodes to us at ttwpod at gmail.com. If you can give us a five-star review, that would be absolutely amazing and help to spread the podcast around a bit. And thank you, as always, to Kevin McLeod for our theme song, Anachronist, as well as any other music that Barnaby's used in this podcast. And thank you for listening. Now go out, invest in eels, and don't give any power to Guy of Lucinia. Bye!